killing, because I didn't ever think the Christians did the killing. Boy, was I wrong. So, in the middle of that, how did it get there? And the Lord showed me what went wrong. It's the same thing that goes wrong in us, in our hearts. And by God's grace, we're going to unpack that a bit about what happens. And so here we were at Okiamoka, and um, five days before the event, I got a call. It says, Dave, here's your formal invitation to come to this prayer event in Jisingi. We were right on the border of Congo. To the left there, the trees in the background, that's Congo. So there we were, uh, invited to come to the prayer meeting. So we're riding out there to the prayer meeting. That's all they said, come to the prayer meeting. We walk into the building and they say, oh, and by the way, Dave, you're preaching. They always like to give you lots of notice, you know. But the good news is the Holy Spirit told me two weeks ahead of time what to study and work on and prepare. And so I prepared this message, and by God's grace gave it, and with the Kinyarwanda translator and a Swahili translator, and going through it, it was quite interesting to watch, I'm sure. Lynn was there. And I got about three, halfway through or three quarters of the way through and the leader from Rwanda stood up and he says, Dave, you're finished now. Stop. I said, okay, thank you. I turned around and I kept preaching. God had given me a word. And so then we kept going and then the whole leader of the whole thing steps forward and he says, Dave, that's it. Stop. I said, okay, I will. I turned around and I kept preaching. What are you going to do? Shoot me? When God calls you and speaks to you, it doesn't matter what goes on around you. You have to bring the word. So the word was birthed in a difficult time for us. But I believe it's very relevant. We start with a poem. Beware what you listen to. You see, I'm convinced that I'm doing what the Lord wants me to do. Sometimes people say, Dave, you're deceived. That could be. I could be deceived. So you need to discern if what I'm saying is really the Lord or not. That's your job. Secondly, I could be a shyster trying to trick everybody. Or it's God's word. Those are the three choices. You decide. There were many times when truth spoke to me, but I did not listen. Often it called to me, but I did not hear it. I was too busy listening to lies. Unfortunately, if you listen to lies long enough, when truth speaks, you cannot hear it or bear it. What is the truth? For, for us, before we judge Rwanda and genocide and say it's tribal, it's all those things, no. No, no, no. It's exactly the same in you and me. It's just the government here prevents us from doing the killing. James 4 tells us, what is the source of your struggling and fighting? You ask and don't have because you ask with wrong motives. You don't get. And then you fight and kill each other because you want. James is addressing Christians. It's the same. We're no different. So let's beware of what you listen to. Hearing isn't as easy as it sounds. (laughs) Seeing isn't as easy as it looks. We need to discern and say, what what am I seeing? Ephesians chapter 1, 13 and 14. 
In him, Christ, you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit, a promise who is given as a down payment of our inheritance with a view to the redemption of God's own possession. Why? To the praise of his glory. All the nations will be blessed in him to the praise of his glory. And God has put it into you and me. Do you know why the forests in Canada are burning? Have you asked it to rain and for the fires to stop? Good. They will. Because you ask. Why does everything in the world go rotten and crazy? And people have the solution. We have messiahs everywhere. I said that last week. Well, we have electric cars. The messiah has said, we all got to get electric cars. And then this will all stop. The forest fires will stop. We have global, we have all these issues. The Messiah steps forward. This is the solution. And we say, should we pray? Pray what? There is no God. Oh. No, the fires keep burning. But we don't have to convince everybody else to pray. That's the good news. We can pray. And God says, if you pray, I will change everything. And my math says that about if one person prays, it changes to the positive for what, 800,000 people. That 800,000 people goes really well if just one person prays. So when it goes bad, now I want to blame everybody for the bad, I got to look back here and say, am I praying? Okay. Christ in us is the hope of the world. 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called out of you, out of darkness into his marvelous light. For you once were not a people, but now you are the people of God. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. The people of God have a DNA that is different. You check the DNA in us, and it's the same DNA as Jesus Christ has. It's the Holy Spirit in us. And no longer do I come to you from my whatever background it is. Mine from Mennonites in Friesland and the Netherlands, or Africans from different places, indigenous people who are here. What is our DNA? What is our identity when we come together? All those things talk about differences. But in Christ, we're together. And we can still have our differences and talk about them and enjoy them. Lynn and I went out to the Morden Corn and Apple Festival yesterday and went to the Indian restaurant thing and, and had bannock on, bison burger on, on bannock. I love it. We love different foods from different cultures and, and we celebrate that. We want to support them and celebrate that. The celebratory sour milk in Rwanda, well... Let me put it this way. We had a four-liter jug of milk in our house, and the top part like this was clear, and the bottom part was white. And yeah, you see, the, and we thought, but we couldn't throw it out. I just can't throw it out because what if, what if this is something that's redeemable? And I just don't know. So we had, would you ever drink this stuff, right? So we had our, our housekeeper there, and we says, look, here's this milk, and uh, we're not sure what to do with Can you take care of it for us? She says, what do you mean? She says, well, we, you don't want it? No, no, we don't want it. 
Really? She says. Yeah, really. She shook it up and drank it. It went, mm, mm, ooh, that's so good. And she brought it home to her whole family. She said, my kids are going to love it, love it, love it, love it. Mm, it's so good. It's so good. Thank you, thank you. Mm, you never know. You never know. So we did drink sour milk publicly one time, and they didn't know that we felt how we did. Jesus taught openly in public. This is an important point. Virtually all the events in Acts happened in public places not in meeting places. Pre sermons weren't preached in a church where people went. No, no, out in the street, in the, in the community is where it happened. And in the community, everybody was there. The Pharisees were there. They were powerful controllers of the law. They knew exactly what the law taught, and they knew how to manipulate it for their own advantage. The Sadducees were powerful controllers of business and money, and together with the Pharisees, they could make life very pleasant for you or very unpleasant, depending on how they felt about you. So if you didn't make them happy, you would not be happy. And everybody knew you want to be happy, you make them happy. And I want you to know that what we're talking about here was 2,000 years ago, and it's no different today. It's exactly the same today. And we need to understand that. And I like when you testified about 2,000 years ago how it was, Yes, it was, and it still is. It still is the same, if we just open our eyes to see. So the Pharisees can make life unpleasant. These two groups got together, and with the government, they controlled everything. When genocide happened, and a lot of scientific research, political research about government, 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 did you know that when genocide happened, it was because people in the church envied and hated, but a church person doesn't have the license to kill. Government does. So the church goes to the government, those leaders, and say, hey, if you want us all to vote for you, we got two million members. You want us all to vote for you, you do this, we kill those people, then we're yours. And somebody thought it was a good idea. And then Christians, we blame the government. Who killed Jesus? The government. Who asked the government to kill Jesus? People who envied him. Same old, same old. We need to understand that. It's our heart that's the issue. So this group is all about power and influence and control. So beware of what you listen to. Matthew 4, 23 to 25, Jesus says, If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And he was saying to them, take care of what you listen to. By the standard of measure that you measure, it'll give, be given back to you. So be careful what you listen to. Boy, you're right on with the PowerPoint. I don't even have to check to see if you're with it. That's better than I would have. I just cut them with me whenever I go someplace. Whoever has wisdom and understanding will gain more. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The beginning. And the fear of the Lord is a healthy respect and reverence for God. And the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. The fool has said in his heart, there's no God. You ever meet some people that are walking with the Lord and they seem very smart and very intelligent. And then they all of a sudden decide that they're beyond that and God doesn't really exist. Then when you talk to them about things, they just become, seem to be getting stupider and stupider every time to talk to them. 
Almost, it's like you can't even do math. You can't even go two plus two equals what? Just on simple stuff, they just make no sense. Because now they become really smart. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. They're corrupt. They committed abominable deeds. If we reject God, we become increasingly corrupt. Luke 8 verse 17 says, For nothing is hidden that will not become evident, nor anything secret that will not be known or come to light. So take care how you listen. Take care of what you listen to, and take care of how you listen to. To him, For whoever has, to him more shall be given. Whoever does not have, even what he thinks he has, will be taken away. We're talking here about wisdom, about knowledge. If you think you're smart, be careful. Because if your wisdom is not based on God, it will not go well for you. Whatever wisdom or knowledge you have will grow increasingly foolish if you reject God, if you don't glorify God. Beware of what you listen to. Leaven of the Pharisees. This word started by me walking and praying and weeping throughout Rwanda. And for four days the Lord said, leaven. I know leaven. Yeah, leaven. And finally after four days, I said, okay, 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 I'll research leaven. And I found there's four leavens in the Bible. I didn't know there was four leavens. I knew of two and maybe three, but not four. So it was interesting. Leaven is a little thing that you put into a whole bunch of things and it changes everything. <laughs> you, get, you get that? <laughs> so the leaven of the Pharisees, beware. So these are the fundamentalists. Jesus is saying, be careful when those really smart guys talk because you're listening to them. That stuff is going into your brain and it functions, affects how you believe and how you think and how you treat people. So be careful. Be careful of that. The disciples didn't get it. They thought Jesus was addressing culture. He was talking about how you wash hands and food and prepare everything. But he wasn't. He was talking about the teaching of the Pharisees and the scribes. So let's be clear what we're talking about. It's not about outside, it's about inside. And what you hear and what you take in goes in. So teaching, he was warning them to be careful. Um, if you think little things don't make a difference, you've never tried to sleep in a tent with a mosquito. Right? Anybody in Manitoba understands. In Rwanda as well, they're the nighttime mosquitoes of malaria and the daytimes have yellow fever. But, so they understand that illustration too. The other one that I like saying is that if you think it's just a little thing, it's no big deal, just imagine your 20-year-old daughter comes home and says, Mom, Dad, I got something I want to talk to you about. It's not really a big deal. It's just really, really small. I'm just, she's not married. I'm just a little bit pregnant. Is that a small problem? Just a little bit pregnant. It's no big deal, really. It's only like two months. It's nothing. How we think about stuff, what enters it, it makes a difference. And we need to be careful. So, be careful. He's talking about the teaching. Then, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. Jesus says, just to be politically correct... He's saying the, the leaven of the Pharisees, and now understand, the Pharisees are, are there when he's speaking. He says, the leaven of the Pharisees, what they're teaching you is hypocrisy. They're hypocrites. And he says in Matthew 15, 7 to 9, you hypocrites. Just to be clear, you know, 
This people honors me with lips, but their heart is far away from me. But in vain do they worship me. What is hypocrisy? Teaching as doctrine the precepts of men. We said to these guys in Africa, you know what the problem is? A rich white guy came with a bunch of money, started telling you what to do, and you listened to him because he's a rich white guy. You need to discern what the Holy Spirit is saying. And stop listening to somebody just because he's a rich white guy. When we teach our church disciplines as doctrine, we end up with anemic, impotent followers of man and not Holy Spirit-filled, Holy Spirit-powered men and women. We end up with people who are easily convinced and easily swayed. We end up with people being told to go kill their neighbor and they do it. We end up with others hearing about it and doing nothing. That's us. We did the nothing. Heard about it, did nothing. Missionaries left. White people all left. Did nothing. But we retain our self-righteousness. We were invited in the genocide memorial to go on the mountainside. We were there quite a few years for genocide memorial in April. And as we went there, the pastor, who we'd known for a long time, says, I want you to come with me to be with us. He says, the missionaries and the white people all left. And there's a deep pain and hate in the hearts in this nation against you people. But you're here because you love us and you're with us. He says, I want to go to this community on the mountainside because over here in this community, in 100 days, pardon me, in 10 days, 100 of my family members were killed. And we're going to go now and dig out about 22 bodies. And two of the guys that did the killing will be here digging them out as well. Thank you for being with us. We're on the side of the mountain and they came to me and says, when they're finished digging out the bodies, we want you to address the village, okay? Okay. And so when I got up, I says, in 1994, I didn't kill anybody. It was you guys killing you guys. But I represent the people who left you. That's us. The white missionaries who ran away. Turned a blind eye mostly didn't pray. That's who I represent. That's who I am. I said, I want you to know we were wrong. We were wrong. We should have intervened. We should have prayed. We should have come. We should have been here with you, and we weren't. And I ask you to forgive me for that. I've made a new choice. We've made a new choice. We're here with you. Some of you had made a new choice. That's how we know there's 22 bodies here. But not all of you have. Some of you still haven't. You need to make it right with the Lord. And then with each other. And then the elders stood up and forgave us. And we sang together. And we walked out of that valley. Beware of what you listen to. The leaven or the teaching of the Sadducees, these are the liberals. Some Sadducees who say that there is no resurrection. Come to Jesus, came to Jesus and began questioning him. If we remove the hope of salvation, there is no hope. We have our own 
messiahs in Canada, right? There's a new messiahs coming up now. We have elections coming. We have a, a little messiah saying, if you, if, I'll lead you, and if you take care of me, we'll have good water here. We need clean water in this area. Vote for me, and we'll have clean water. We have another messiah that, that comes up and says, uh, oh, I, I'm, your, I'm your one. We need to have um, housing, good housing. You vote for me, and we'll have good housing. We have an, other messiahs up all over the place. Trust in me, hope in me. Vote for me. I'm your person. We'll take care of this. What about Christ? No, it doesn't exist. That's who's informing us and our kids. So be careful what you listen to. 1 Corinthians 15, 9 to 12 to 19. Now, if Christ has preached that he is risen from the dead, how do we among you that if there's no resurrection of the dead, we are hopeless? Beware of the leaven, the teaching of Herod. What is this, the leaven of Herod? I'd never heard of the leaven of Herod before. That's the world's political system. Every country has a, world's, has a political system. And every country, the leader says, if you all just did it our way, then it'd be right. So we have Canada that tells China, if you did this, then it'd be good. Right? Tell the USSR and Ukraine. Everybody's telling everybody else in whatever country, our ideology is the right one. We are the Messiah. No. What's politics about? I can tell you. What's PowerPoint's not moving. Look at that. Faith in any world power, person, or order. That is what Herod is. What is where is our hope being placed? In the market, in RSPs, in where? It's, it's all going to go in the garbage. You know that. So where is our hope placed? If we place it in Herod, keep going down the list here. Politics is this, okay? First of all, in politics, rule number one is we have to get in power. Because when I'm in power, then things get better, okay? So vote for me. I got to get in power. All you guys get together, you pastors, influential people, everybody, make sure everybody votes for me because then it'll be good. And we get pastors getting up saying, you should vote for this guy, not that guy. And we're wrong. The pulpit's for the gospel. Get in power. Rule number two, stay in power. Because we're the right guys. If we do it, if we control things, then it'll go really well. Rule number three, get more power. Because the reason we couldn't do all those things we promised last time is we didn't have enough power. You see, not enough of you voted for us and we didn't have enough. So if you give us more power, then it'll go really well. Finally, next one. Ultimately, worldly powers will clash with God's kingdom power. And it happens grassroots. You can't think that way, you're told by people. You can't believe that. We were in Prague visiting missionaries in Prague. Prague used to be a Christian nation. There's churches, cathedrals everywhere. We says, what happened? He says, well, when the Soviets came after the war and it was assigned to the Soviets, we said, okay, that's how it became totally non-Christian. He said, well, the Soviets just said this to all the people. We don't want you to preach Jesus Christ. We'll give you free education, free health care, 
for your kids, free university, but you can't preach Jesus. The people all sat down, well, we need an education. Our kids need a future, need a hope. Okay, we'll buy in. And in one generation, finished. Mennonites came to this country. The government says, we'll give you land, good land, free land. Here's the deal. You can't tell people about Jesus Christ. People say, oh, but we've got good land, lots of land. Yeah, okay, we'll buy in. It's in our history. I've read it, I can show you. We, just, we, we get the land, we get the money, yeah? And as long as we don't tell people about Jesus, yeah, okay. Be careful what you listen to. It changes everything. Beware of what you listen to. Matthew 13, 33. He spoke another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven, which a woman took and hid in three pecks of flour. The truth of Jesus Christ can seem like such a small thing, but it is like a seed that's planted. When nurtured and watered, pruned and trained, it grows and produces fruit, much fruit after its own kind. You see, Jesus said, go and make disciples. And I believe that he wants a discipleship movement here. And the first question is, do you have a disciple? So if you're a leader or whatever you are, and you say, ah, I, this is a good idea. We should have disciples. Let's start a discipleship movement, organizing, make, making disciples. What program or ministry do we need? No, 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 no. Do you have a disciple? One. Disciples aren't made from the pulpit. Disciples aren't made in masses. I can speak at a stadium in Rwanda, 15, 20,000 people. Wouldn't that be great? That might look good in pictures, but I don't get a disciple. I preached at the stadium in Rwanda. Look at that. Been there, done that. Didn't that feel good? Walk away. Happy memory. No disciple. Give me a disciple that I can walk with, who walk with me. And as I get older, he'll remind me, Dave, remember. Psalms 119.11, your word have I treasured my heart that I might not sin against you. Put the leaven in. 2 Timothy 1.14, guard through the Holy Spirit who dwells in us the treasure which has been entrusted to you. Ezra 7.10, Ezra had set his heart to do what? Study the law, practice the law, and teach the law. When you want to speak with authority, you have to, first of all, practice it. They said, the disciples, you preach with authority, not like everybody else. It's because they practiced it. Do you have a disciple? Yes or no? If it's no, you have no authority to speak to it. Sit down. I mean, graciously. Remember, I have to be gracious. Acts 17.11. Now these Bereans were more noble-minded than those in Thessalonica, for they received the word with great eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see whether these things were so. Therefore, many of them believed. Don't believe what I tell you. Don't believe the words of this sermon. Get out your Bible and find out, is this really true? God, is this really what you're saying? 
Because then we don't care whether Dave said it or not. If it's, it's you who said it. And if it's wrong, if it's not true, then call me and straighten me out. I want that. We were at another event in Rwanda at a football stadium for the youth, whatever, and I, I preached there and that we want more of the Holy Spirit, more, more, more. And I preached from a verse in James that said, the Holy Spirit lusts to fill us. And it was a college crowd, and one of the professors took exception to that word. He says, Dave, he spoke to our translator, he says, Dave doesn't know, but in our language that has very, very strong sexual connotations, and it's inappropriate to use that in teaching, especially in a college. And our translator, who knew us, he says, well, Dave welcomes criticism and advice. He says, you know the original languages, Dave does not. Why don't you research it, and when you're ready, we'll meet with Dave, and you can straighten him out. He says, okay, great. And two weeks later, he called our translator and he said, we don't need to meet. He's absolutely right. The Holy Spirit lusts to fill us. Lusts to move in us and among us. And if we don't have enough of the Holy Spirit, I can tell you, the problem is not the Holy Spirit. Friends, we need to be men and women of the word of God. Study it, practice it, and teach it. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. When darkness veils his lovely face, I rest on his unchanging grace. In every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the veil. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand, all other ground is sinking sand. His oath, his covenant, his blood, support me in the whelming flood. When all around my soul gives way, he then is all my hope and stay. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand, all other ground is sinking sand. When he shall come with trumpet sound, oh may I then in him be found. Dressed in his righteousness alone, faultless to stand before the throne. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand, all other ground is sinking sand. Father, hope is a person, it's Jesus. Father, the hope we're looking at, if it doesn't look like Jesus, it's not hope.
hope is a person, it's Jesus. Father, I thank you for your son. I thank you for your word. I thank you for your spirit. I thank you that the truth is this world is messed up and it's been messed up since Adam and Eve messed it up. And Father, I thank you that there is a promised land. There is a garden of Eden. But also there's a way of living here and now that you have ordained and called us to. But it's different from the world. We are salt and light in the world. We're different. We don't, we don't dance to the same fiddler. Father, I pray for your hope. Pray for your kingdom come and your will be done. In the name of Jesus, amen.